Hi, everyone, and welcome to our fourth episode of the Chemist Tea Podcast. I'm your host, Lucy, and I am so excited to have our fourth guest here today. Um, today, I have with me Dr. Zach Tamabongsi. He got his PhD from UCI in the Yang Lab, and now currently he is a postdoc at Chapman University. He also here in Orange County, right、um, super close to UCI in Orange. Um, you might know Zach from his amazing d orbital games. You might have seen the stickers, the pins, the amazing card and board games.、Um, these have been featured in、um, CNN and also ACS. So keep a lookout for that. As always, we will have the links to Zach's socials and also d orbital games、um, in the episode description below. And first of all, is it okay if I call you Zach throughout the yeah, episode? Yeah, definitely, definitely. And、um, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? All right. Well, Lucy, thanks for having me on your podcast,、um, and、uh, thank you all for listening. And、uh, it's really an honor to be here.、Uh, yeah, like Lucy pretty much did a fantastic job of introducing who I am, uh, uh, the uh, PhD program that I came from. Uh, and at the with the postdoc that I'm at at the moment,、uh, I really wanted to、uh, start off by just acknowledging、uh, that I definitely would not be here today without my parents, who are from the from Laos, the country of Laos. They immigrated over here to the United States in 1988,、uh, and pretty much provided me the opportunity to discover all the wonderful things of. You know, academia and particularly chemistry, and being able to give me this opportunity to explore、uh, not just the PhD program, right, but all these cool creative、uh, things that I'm doing on the side. So I'm excited to answer all the questions you have,、uh, and just have this awesome conversation with you today. Awesome! Thank you so much, Zach.、Um, you did mention your parents and just、um, and their journey as like, immigrants、um, into the U.S.、Um, how has your experience being Lao American and being a child of immigrants? How has that affected you、um, as your journey as a scientist and just as a person in general here in the U.S.? Yeah, I, I definitely still have that sense of、um, you know trying to fit in. Uh, uh, as a Laotian American, there wasn't many, I would say, Laotian American that I came across in college.、Uh, mainly, the, just the family members are the ones that I'm accustomed to. But when I first got to college, it was、uh, very difficult trying to fit in.、Uh, especially, there wasn't any particular for, person from my culture there,、uh, and in particular, science and just let's just say chemistry.、Uh, there weren't that any Laotian Americans that I. Came across even up until grad school, so I'm hoping、uh, to kind of pave the way and、uh, be one of the first. Now I know there are a couple other Laotian Americans after looking for them and、uh, connecting with them,、uh, but there's still not as many as one would think. So, yeah, that's. <laughs>、um, how do you hope? To use like your voice and your impact, since you have like the Orbital Games and you are, I would say, I mean, when I first came across the Orbital Games, 
Um, it was like a couple of years ago, I think the UCI chemistry social media posted about it. And I was like, oh, this is so cool. So um, I would say you have somewhat of a platform in the chemistry community, um, science community. Um, how do you want to use both your platform as well as your identity as a Laotian American to inspire, let's say, like younger Laotian Americans like from like little, little kids to maybe like college age? to maybe they are interested in science maybe they're interested in something else how do you want to inspire like the next generation yeah you you know the orbital games didn't really come about uh as a way to inspire other folks it was really a way i would say originally to inspire myself um i always knew i wanted to teach in a in a way um i just didn't know how to or what was the best method of teaching, or even my style of teaching. So it came about really, um, the Orobudu Games at least, was a, was a way for me to find out um, my teaching style, and how I would like other folks to learn uh, what I'm teaching, and particularly chemistry. Uh, but it did evolve. It definitely evolved throughout the years after graduating and now being a postdoc and seeing all the reception that it's, it's, it's having and uh, kind of the effects that it's having around our community and chemistry, um, starting to notice that uh, it, it can play a role in inspiring younger generations, uh, even folks who might not think chemistry are, you know, is cool, because we both definitely believe that chemistry yes. is awesome <laughs> and really, uh, you know, has a lot to offer for the world. So I think it plays, a, uh, it's starting to play, at least what I see, uh, a role in inspiring that younger generation who didn't potentially uh, see chemistry as a path forward. Uh, in terms of just for Laotian American students, uh, I, I, wouldn't, I haven't yet integrated my love of chemistry and love of, uh, of my culture uh, in the sense where I'm able to have that impact yet. But I'm slowly, slowly doing that by donating certain, you know, certain revenues from the Orbital Games, uh, going out and um, just tutoring and uh, lending advice to students who are potentially thinking about science as a path for them, especially uh, Laotian American college students. So I, I, I volunteer my time quite a bit uh, and then display the orbital games when it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to see it. Um... What advice would you give? Um, doesn't have to be young Laotian Americans, but just young Americans from minorities who may not see themselves represented yet in their community, um, whether it's like in their college or like in their field in general. Like, what advice would you give them? Uh, just be open. Be able to um, take all advice uh, as best as possible, knowing that uh, any at any moment in time, uh, an opportunity will show. Uh, be receptive uh, and just have fun those are the things that got me to where I'm at the moment where uh, yes it may be not at that point the advice maybe doesn't click or isn't right for me at that moment or the person providing the advice might not know me exactly because they're not of the same culture of the same background but um, in all honesty from the folks that I came encounter in academia they're all just trying to help uh, and so be open to re receiving these advice. It might not be uh, perfect at the moment and when you receive that advice, but it will come uh, later on down the road. Yeah. I feel like it's really important for um, the younger generation 
and including like the current generation of like up and coming, whether it's undergraduates, graduate students, or like juniors, scientists to really see themselves like represented, whether it's their um, whether it's their gender identity or culture.、Um, and I feel and I'm really thankful that like now there's people like you and a lot of other people that who. Um, I hope, hopefully, I can come on this pod. Hopefully, can come on this podcast.、Um, they're kind of like the new generation of chemists, because I feel like the stereotypical chemist is like the kind,、um, kind of like、um, the old white man. But、um, they are great chemists. But I feel like this new generation of chemists were just so diverse, and I'm really excited to see this new up and coming generation. Be the future face of chemistry, and I, I'm really thankful that you're a part of it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to see all the wonderful, diverse, beautiful chemists on Twitter, at you know virtual conferences.、Uh, just getting to know everyone. I was at Logic a conference、uh, 2021 recently, and it was just awesome、uh, to just get to know and connect with so many different chemists that I wouldn't have done.、Uh, so of course, just having that opportunity. So you are, yeah, you're totally right on that one. Yeah,、um, you did mention. I want to talk more about the orbital games because that's honestly, as I mentioned before a couple minutes ago,、um, when I first came across it, I was like, "Wow, this is so cool!" And actually,、um, you and the orbital games、um, played a large part in. Me starting my own shop with、um, with a Kawaii chemist,、yeah. <laughs> um, and I think you mentioned earlier, and I think that was my intention too when I when I created my shop and started drawing chemistry cartoons, because my idea was like, oh, I think chemistry is cool, and it's but I think every everyone who like studies chemistry knows I've seen this tweet on Twitter a lot of times. They're like, oh, that feeling when. You tell somebody you're、uh, you study chemistry and they say, "Oh, I hated chemistry in high school." Yeah, that's still that's still a thing. I still hear that from students today. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like、um, what's so cool about Diorbor Games and also, and I think you mentioned it before, and it's also like my quote unquote mission statement of my shop is that like we want to make chemistry fun. We want to make it cool. We want to make it cute. We want to make it exciting. Um, it's for like it's almost like hey 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 like don't worry it doesn't bite it's not as scary <laughs> as I think it is.、Um, what and you mentioned earlier that you started it because of teaching. Was there like a moment where it, like it you had a revelation and it came to you that you wanted to start this, or was it kind of just like a gradual build up that slowly just blew up? I would say. Yeah, that's you know I I, I kind of want to touch on the the fact that. You know, you you said you were inspired by、uh, the orbital games and what pretty much I've been doing, and、uh, I I would like to acknowledge that I was inspired by、um, previous scientists, previous chemists who had started their own、um, kind of business, started their own craft and science crafts.、Uh, so I want to acknowledge、uh, Robina. She is the、um, owner of Chemist Tree, the chem- the Chemist Tree.、Uh, hopefully, I got that correct.、Uh, making、uh, cards. You know,、uh, in particular, just like gift cards and what. And she has some awesome, cool pins as well. So she inspired me as well. Because as you go through a couple of things on Etsy or just online, and you're like, oh, you know, I'd really like to see what's out there for chemistry themed gifts. There wasn't that many.、Yeah. It wasn't that many.、Um, 
but the, the very few that were out there, I reached out to talk to them, connect with them, making sure I don't, you know, kind of step over <laughs> in their boundaries. You know, I'm, I'm trying to find my own groove and my own thing. So uh, I was inspired by them, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy to, to hear that you were inspired by Dior World Games as well. <laughs> uh, but going back to your question, I... I um, about the gradual, if it was a gradual, was it really, you know, sudden? It was very gradual, because I only wanted to make games, and it didn't really, you know, I didn't really go towards the pen uh, idea at all, because I was really into uh, trying to understand uh, how one could develop games, and then how one could as- kind of as- um, kind of assemble them, and then implement them in a classroom, because it was always... Uh, in my mind, always thinking about the students that I, that I was teaching in at that time in organic chemistry classes. So it's always about making games for me at first, and then the pins kind of came later as a way to kind of provide prizes or provided something that could give a spark to students that might not really, at that point, as you said, enjoy chemistry. Right. So, but yeah, <laughs> it was very ga- gradual from year one. Nothing really transpired besides just making games, spending my graduate school money. <laughs> uh, so that means there was there was less there was less uh, eating out and uh, and more just trying to buy um, uh, games that I created. <laughs> oh, one thing I'm really curious about is your like can I call it design process? Like, how do you come up with the concept of the game and the objective of the game? How do you like design like the playing cards or the boards? Um, I've looked at your website and some of them look really cute. So, oh, so like, what's the creative process like? Yeah, uh, you know, the creative process is, uh, um, for me at least, is always thinking about uh, students' objective, the student learning objectives first. The slow is what we call it in, in teaching. So that's the first thing I always go for uh, before even coming up with what pieces to, to, to implement or what pieces to pick from, or even just the, the design of the, the colors and whatnot. So that's always the first uh, I think about when I come up with a game, especially if it's all chemistry games meant to teach a certain topic. So once the student learning objective comes about, uh, it kind of goes from that point on forward. Uh, I also think about the what is it, is it gonna be a game where it's very collaborative or is it gonna be more competitive? Or it could be both. Do I really want students to work in a group or is this kind of a thing, kind of a topic that one should tackle on their own first before they uh, really get into a group? So uh, those all, in, I would say, um, come about before I think even about mechanics. Uh, and when you think about game mechanics, we could talk about having rolling a dice, yes. if that provides some randomness to the game, or some strategic way of just limiting the amount of cards that you have in your hand. So those are all things that come about afterwards, or it's somewhere in the middle before I go into the design. Yeah. <laughs> um, how do you pick like the chemistry concept to center the game around? Is it based on like what your students might be struggling or yeah. with? Yeah, honestly, so the, at the beginning, I definitely uh, chose the, uh, the concept that we're uh, had a little bit more of a mass appeal, right? And so I would say um, NMR games had a, a bigger mass appeal than uh, say something like uh, um, I think it was just a, <laughs> what uh, 
sorry, I was, I was, I was struggling, but it was, it was called slap count, which is counting the uh, orbital electrons. So it yeah. had a little bit more, more acid fuel. So I, I started there a little bit first, but then uh, I really wanted to make games for my, myself as well, or at least the classes that I was, I was teaching. So more inorganic games started coming about. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely choose these games in particular to help the students that are struggling. Um, with inorganic chemistry, that was kind of the point at first, or I, I want to go towards at least. Well, I just want you to know that I was one of those students who struggled yeah. with inorganic <laughs> chemistry, but I feel like objectively I ended up doing well, but that was like a lot of pain, a lot of crying, and a yeah. lot of hard work, yeah. but um, unfortunately I took both quarters of inorganic during the pandemic, uh, so unfortunately I so unfortunately, I wasn't able to like play any of the games. Should we have played the games? Yeah. But <laughs> I tried to. Yeah, you know, how, there was this, there was a uh, professor out uh, in the University of Utah who would ask about potentially having some of the games online. So oh, cool. it was it was good to at least get one of the games transitioning oh, into so an cool. online format. Um, but yeah, it's a. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish. Yeah, I wish there definitely would have been uh, some game playing and in, in your inorganic. Course. Had a great time though. It was just not my forte, I would say, in the realm of chemistry. <laughs> um, and it's okay, right? It's okay. I would. <laughs> struggling is great. Honestly, the struggle you had to go through in terms to learn the material. So, I, I'm a fan of struggling um, uh, if it means that it's going to allow you to learn. <laughs> yeah. um, I know that like durable games is like, it's in the name games. Yeah. Um, do you have like a favorite board game in general? Like, are you a fan of board games and that's why you wanted to create like durable games or, or was it just like, oh, what's the best way for people to learn? Oh, like via games. Yeah, I definitely was a fan of board games before uh, coming up with chemistry board games. Uh, and. Yeah, the board games I would play with my high school friends, and that's where it all started, was uh, party games. It kind of started with a game called Resistance, and it just was really this awesome, intense, debating almost type of game. Wow. And uh, it was a dedu you know, social deduction game, and I really liked that people uh, around me were really getting into the action, and just that already... Uh, just I, I gravitated towards that in human interaction and I wanted that same human interaction in the classroom and not just passively listening to a lecture but really getting into the theme of the game so um, I think this is a perfect transition into the next topic I want to talk about which is teaching and um, different methods of learning in the classroom because you mentioned games and how it's not just you sitting there listening to a lecture and then taking notes um like playing games is really like interaction and i feel like it's even better because it's not like the forced interaction okay you turn to your partner and discuss this question but it's more of like there's an objective that you two that, that you two you three your group of people have to solve and like go towards um and i do know that you do one day aspire to become a professor and teaching and education mean a lot to you um what do you think is your ideal classroom and what do you think that you want like your future students to get the most out uh, of your classes that's a great question you know like visualizing my classroom when when that time comes 
uh, I would say uh, it's I will say this now to everybody on the, in the audience call. It, it definitely is not 100% board games all the time. That is not my vision of, uh, of you know, of my classroom. Uh, it's definitely a mixture, a mixture of different type of teaching methods. Because uh, you never know exactly what will, um, you know, do you hit or a miss with a student in the classroom. So it's always good to try a variety of different things. So. Definitely, I know we, we harp on traditional lecturing, but I think it's good to have some, you know, as a way to maybe start off the classroom to introduce the students to you or just the environment and just to have a focus at first. And then you kind of go off a little bit into problem solving skills in a group setting or maybe you do a little individual before you pair them up. All of these, I think, are things I would implement in uh, my classroom. The games definitely would come. I definitely am uh, on track to try to make a, a new game at least once a year, and eventually those games will cover a topic, you know, and that will, if, you know, if, if, if other instructors would like, kind of supplement some of the solving, um, their problem-solving worksheets for them for that week. So those definitely will be incorporated. Love it. Uh, but I, <laughs> but all of these, uh, I think methods uh, play a key role, uh, and I don't think there's one teaching method or teaching style or even learning style uh, that is going to to be you know better than than any other one. It's definitely just like in chemistry, diversity is key. Mm-hmm. So in teaching, I think uh, they're you know just knowing and learning new different teaching methods, different teaching style and implementing is key so um did you always want to go into education and academia like when you first started grad school or was like this love for teaching and passion for education something you grew to love um in your graduate career yeah i this is a great like this is yeah you're this is a great question because it's really forcing me to think about my education when i grew up i was not a great student i didn't I lacked confidence. I didn't think I was smart enough. I didn't read all that much. My grammar wasn't that great. My test scores weren't that great. So, like, you're really making me reflect back to you. <laughs> and it's a good thing because why, after all of those failed in my mind, you know, as a failed student, I like, I like to think about that in middle school, high school, and even college. You know, taking organic chemistry over again in the summer because it didn't go well the first time. All of that, in my you know, would indicate that I wouldn't want to go into academia, but I still do, and I think it has a lot to do with failure. Like it's driving me to learn, even despite of all the failings. Uh, and why do I still, at this point, still drive myself towards? being an instructor, being a mentor, being someone who is going to teach chemistry to the young generation, and not maybe just chemistry, but maybe other things as well, uh, is because I want to be part of their learning process. I want to make sure that I'm learning as well. And the best way to learn is always be around folks who want to learn. And I think academia is a place where people want to learn. Um, you do say that you um, 
on your bio on your website you do say that、um, at Chapman you're currently teaching a lot of like science and writing classes、um, and I think、um, for if if you or like my listeners don't know、um, I am getting a minor in creative writing and so I love the marriage between like science and the more literary arts. Um, and for you as like a science writing instructor, how important is like the I will I want to say like back to Diablo games again and like the whole like the creative process of the sciences、yeah. and like the more like the more aspects of science that are really like being in a lab reading papers. It's more of like the creative thinking or like the whole writing aspects. That's kind of like almost in a field that many people would pit as like the opposite of science. But in my opinion, it's not really the opposite. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't think it's a. Op- I think they go hand in hand. Yes, I think、uh, scientists are very creative folks.、Uh, even when it comes to writing their scientific paper, I think it takes creativity to really come up with what you need to describe your story, your research, and there is some organizations quite a bit, right, to help you along the way to structure your story. So teaching the students at Chapman University how to structure their story. Is fantastic, even if it's a scientific story and not just a story and that's generally,、um, you know, like say in a just a creative writing.、Uh, but it's I think it always follows in that same kind of direction that you want to be co- you know be coherent and you want to tell your story in a way that other folks will will either understand or you know kind of kind of relate to. Yeah. So、um, definitely. Yeah.、Uh, The process of making a game is definitely very similar. I I think the writing part I still struggle quite a bit, but you、we、know, yeah, we, <laughs> and it's a it's a beautiful struggle I would say.、Uh, and the biggest part for me in making a game is always writing the the, the game manual. Is it clear enough? Are they able to understand the steps、uh, by step instructions? And am I providing? And then this isn't writing the writing part, but am I providing clear enough? Art and clear enough figures, and that's also something that we talk about a lot in science. Is it a is it a necessary figure, and is is it one that can stand alone? So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah、um, this next question is very like self indulgent, but、um, why did you pick a dog as the mascot for <laughs> Diablo games? And I just think it's the cutest thing how you have all these different dog breeds with like the lab goggles on、yeah. the Diablo stickers. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's so cute. <laughs> That's a、uh, thank you. Yeah, because this is also a question I think most、uh, most folks who encounter the game、uh, Diablo games had as well. They always ask why a dog, and I and this is a、uh, this is I think this is gonna be probably. One of the first times that hopefully、uh, folks will listen and hear exactly what it is. <laughs> so D Orbital Games, the acronym is D O G, and that stands、oh. for dog, or or that is you know that's the acronym is dog, uh, which uh, I thought wow that's really cool. I, at first I had a, a name of the company called、uh, Molecular Orbital Games, Mob,、uh, and then or S Orbital Games, Sob. Oh, so- Sog, you know, Sog and Bog. It weren't. They didn't really, you know. It didn't really. They didn't really hit. So、yeah. Diablo games made with dog sounds just awesome.、Uh, and the first mascot that came to mind was a Shiba Inu. A 
right? I love yeah. Shiba Inus. <laughs> so uh, they, <laughs> my dad, my parents, uh, actually, it's my sister's dog is a Shiba. So um, that's that was just a logical choice. And why did I decided to do variations? Is because I thought, well, d orbital games. Let's go 10D electrons. Let's make 10 dogs. And so there. 10 different variations of the dogs that you might see uh, or you might get when you purchase a pin from the Orbital Games. Uh, then we started making cats because professors on Twitter uh, <laughs> have been asking about cats and you know cats, I, we love cats as well. Yes. Not, yes. So we've been making variations of cats. I think we have six cats uh, for the six electrons for the P orbitals. And then we'll probably do some other variations for the S and the F orbitals depending on the animal but we we do other animals every year for the chinese new year as well oh, I, I yeah that. so yeah for <laughs> oh yeah those are yeah. so cute it's mm-hmm. like okay. um did you expect the orbital games to take off like this no not at all that wasn't and it wasn't the point to take off uh our community is, our our chemistry community i would say is relatively small in in comparison to uh, any other community out yeah. there. Uh, and I just wanted to build something for um, for us to, you know, it's definitely something for myself to begin with, but then as it got bigger and bigger, it was building something for our community to take pride in and also to, to have fun in our community. And if it expands out uh, to younger, like I said, younger generations who might consider chemistry as a uh, a field that they would like to partake, then that would be great. Um, otherwise, yeah, it's definitely for our community uh, and it's for us to invite more folks in. Yeah. It's, um, it's definitely outreach in a way that's kind of like not really the typical outreach and I feel like that's just really cool. Yeah, not typical. Yeah, <laughs> not typical outreach. Yeah. I mean, I love doing like the quote-unquote typical outreach like demoing science experiments and visiting people and just talking about my science but I feel like as an artist myself can I call myself an artist? You are an artist. <laughs> you are um, definitely an artist. Oh uh, as an artist um, I just feel like um, things like the Aurora games just speak so well to like people maybe even like both within and without the community. I'm like, how can you say no to a dog with safety goggles? <laughs> it's just the cutest thing in the world. It's just the cutest They are, all, yeah, they are. It's definitely relatable, especially with pet owners. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, you know, the other thing I wanted to add to, to, to this particular segment is that uh, the outreach within our community as well. You, I wouldn't expect it to be considered an outreach because we're within yeah. the community. Uh, but reaching out to instructors and reaching out to artists like you to for collaborations is something that I uh, t- tend to do and uh, look forward to doing. So for your listeners who are listening here, please reach out to me if you are interested in making a chemistry game or a biology game or a physics game or any game that you're hoping to you know, uh, teach a certain topic to a particular set of folks, let me know. I would love to make a game with you. And, and when it comes to pins, the same way, the same thing, uh, just to have your creative outlet and to express yourself. Like I am all about collaboration. And I know that doesn't seem like it's a outreach <laughs> thing within our community, but is I am trying to yes. reach out more to, uh, instructors to have this medium, this new medium, and creative outlet for them to explore. 
Um, and for, if just so our listeners know, all of Zach's contact info, the Dwarbler Games social website, and socials will all be in the episode description, so you can just check that out. Um, I think one of the things I wanted to talk about, kind of bringing you back to somewhat of a previous conversation, because um, you mentioned like reaching out to professors, and and I think at least for me personally, um, I feel like the pandemic we've had over a year of virtual school and um did you have to teach online at chapman yes or, i did yeah. i did um how did this shift into like this totally new medium of and platform of teaching affect your like maybe your future when we go back into the classroom affect your uh, pedagogy or like has it um how do you think this year we've had online school has changed your perspective of education and teaching especially like call like university education and yeah. um how do you think like the um, the university education community as a, an education um an education community as a whole can learn from what we all experienced in the past year and a half yeah that's this is great i think for me it impacted uh my it really really impacted uh, what I thought about empathy. Uh, I thought I had, I have empathy. I, I'm pretty, I, I feel like I have empathy, right? But there's layers and levels to it that I didn't think uh, about until the pandemic. And uh, seeing the students on Zoom uh, and seeing their background, if they're at home, they're in a t- different place outside of the classroom, it gave me a different perspective of how they're struggling and the different struggles that they have that is not just academic struggle. And so uh, it, it definitely uh, the pandemic and the Zoom learning environments, the online learning environments, really gave me a time to reflect on, you know, at not just my teaching methods, but truly my, the way that I care for the students that I teach. Um, and when we talk, when we say my students, you know, the ownership of students, we, we don't own our students, but when we say those things, it, it really means that, you know, there's a caring complexity to it and how much of does an instructor put, you know, not just efforts in teaching, but efforts in understanding as well. So, uh, yeah, the, the pandemic really made me reflect on all of these things, uh, I feel like I totally agree with, um, I feel like going through the pandemic has required us all to like learn a lot more empathy. Yeah. And, um, and as first, as someone who had to like go through the whole online classes, I didn't, I, it wasn't until like I, I would say about like a good halfway through the course, like a good quarter like after a quarter I realized just how different like my learning environments were compared to some of my peers and I couldn't imagine how that must have been from like an instructor's perspective because you have to make sure like everyone is on track but it's not like in a classroom everyone's sitting there you can see them most people have the cameras off and it's kind of I can't imagine how it must be like on the flip side and not really knowing what to do with all these essentially blank screens but it's not just a screen because there's like a living breathing human with emotions in like a home and 
universe behind each of them. I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's it's shocking to definitely see blank screen, and it's always nice to try to make an environment where students <laughs> might feel comfortable, to, uh, you know, sharing a little bit about themselves. Yeah. And of course, if they feel comfortable not doing that, then that's okay as well. And will we be teaching in this upcoming school year? Yeah, definitely teaching at Chapman once again, and uh, science reading and writing, uh, and project-based learning. So I'm adding all of these uh, different, I would say, subjects uh, to my, you know, to my experience in teaching. Not just teaching chemistry, right? Just teaching. I love it so much. Yeah, it's very different. Uh, and for any uh, postdocs who are listening. Or graduate students who are graduating soon, there are postdocs out there that allow you to teach uh, not just chemistry, you know, and still allows you to conduct chemistry, uh, conduct your research, and and, and still do uh, fantastic research on, on what you're interested in. Um, I think what you concluded with that. Um since we're almost running out of time, unfortunately, <laughs> um, I think it's a, it's actually a great segue to my second to last question. Okay. Which is um, you are the f- um, you are one of the first few guests on our podcast who have gone to both undergrad and you have finished graduate school. Um, it's kind of like a kind of two questions in one. Like, what advice would you have given yourself either as an undergrad or a graduate student, or like what advice would you give to current undergrads or current graduate students navigating these two points of their lives? Uh, so this is I give un. For myself, I don't. <laughs> oh, I I do give I do give um, advice to undergrads quite often nowadays. Mainly uh, undergrads who are from underrepresented uh, groups uh, is that they should feel that they're they're good enough to go after a research position. That uh, there is no need to hesitate if you want something. You all you have to do is ask. So emailing emailing, emailing those professors who have particularly, uh, a, you know, research interest that you, you want to join, a group that you want to join. So that, yeah, go for it, right? That's what I give advice to the undergrads. For the grad students who are already in, in the lab, um, my advice to them is to, you know, think deeply about what you're doing and then think and ask yourself if it is actually something that makes you happy because there are a lot of times where you are just doing the the grunt work and it doesn't at times feel that it could be exciting and I you know as a grad student myself right it's a lot of it's definitely a lot of hard work it's a a lot of challenging work Uh, but if you could just pause to ask yourself is this something that's fun for me is this something I definitely want to do and is this something that you know that will kind of sustain me for the next four or five maybe even six years so those are the things you should ask yourself um, constantly so that you're not just doing the work um, you know aimlessly so yeah Yeah, and then I have to have to conclude the podcast with a classic chemistry pod, um, podcast question okay <laughs> um what is your favorite type of tea oh tea <laughs> earl gray okay uh and uh yeah I'm, I'm a big fan of earl gray anything it could, it could be tea or cookies or biscuits or stuff like that so uh yeah earl gray that would be <laughs> <laughs> is the particular way that you like it like you that you know that's a that's a tough question 
no, I you know just it could be seeped from the, just a regular bag or you know <laughs> I might sometimes go to Tiavana and grab some there. Uh, but otherwise, no, there's no in particular way. I enjoy tea any time of the day. It could be really hot, it could be really cold, you know. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, Tiavana Earl Grey tea is really good. Yeah, yeah. You have, you have a particular, like, name. Because uh, you know how Tiavana has some awesome names oh, yeah. for their tea. <laughs> Gosh, um... I just don't like... What, what's the one? It's like... You can get it at like Albertsons in like the gray and purple-ish oh, okay, like okay. box. I forgot. It's like the tea bags. Yeah, I'm gonna go to Albertsons right after this and <laughs> grab one of those then. <laughs> just to let you guys know, this is not sponsored by Tea Havana. <laughs> I just love tea, so um, and I know that one is really good. Um, well, um, thank you so so much for coming on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you here. I hope you had a good time. Thank you. Well, I had a fantastic time, yeah. Lucy. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, and once again, uh, for all of our wonderful listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast, supporting this podcast. Um, if you want, give us a follow or a like. Um, and also, since, since we are an unsponsored podcast, you can find the link to our Kofi page in the episode description as well. And once again, um, if you want to get in contact with Zach, whether it's to ask about a collaboration with The Orbital Games or just to say hi, um, his social links will also be in the episode description, as well as the website for The Orbital Games if you want to make any purchases and support this amazing business. Um, Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye!